Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Once again, good morning, everybody. It's uh, so good to celebrate Jesus with you here today at Life Church, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Uh, today, we're beginning a three-week series I'm calling Hope Dealers, and I know that's a little bit of a weird title, but I want to explain it, uh, where it comes from. Uh, Pastor James Turner, who was my roommate in college, he pastors Encounter Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. A few years ago, a lady in his church brought him a gift and brought it to him at church, and uh, it was a coffee mug that simply read, Hope Dealer. And when he told me about it, I just fell in love with the idea that the church, the people in the church, the kingdom of God should be filled with people of hope, but not just people that have hope, people that provide hope, that people that are willing to share their hope with those that are around them. After all, Jesus, the basis for our entire faith was the embodiment of hope. First Peter 3 and 15 declares that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. And, if, and so if hope lies within us, and we are called to share that hope, in essence, we should be purveyors of hope. We should be hope dealers. Our world is filled right now with hopelessness. Uh, Watch the news. Open up your favorite social media app on your phone, no matter which three-letter network you like. Fox, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, even my dad's favorite, Newsmax. They are filled with hopelessness and the hopeless ramblings of purveyors of information. Some of it true, some of it false. They deal in words, they deal in information, they deal in what they believe to be the news. But so much of it it is clouded by the intentions of this group or that group, this political party or that special interest group, this ideology or that value system. And because they bring to the table a specific purpose or point, not to inform but to persuade, to guide you to an end result that they have predetermined to be the right one. Therefore, their words take on a certain edge, a certain direction, a certain point that may or may not be true. And so we are left to sort through the clutter and the chaos and the constant drone of noise designed to leave us feeling exactly how the enemy, the prince and the power of the air, Satan himself, wants you to feel. Don't get me wrong. You need to be informed. You need to know what's happening around you. But in your desire to be informed, we also need to be careful of the value system of the informant. Because many times what they are dealing in will leave you with a sense of impending doom, chaos, destruction, hopelessness. Our world is filled right now with a sense of hopelessness. There is a reason why counseling centers and psychologists around our country have six-month waiting lists. Some of them in spite of the facts that colleges are turning out more counselors and social workers than ever before. When your social media feed is filled with a constant drone of infighting, political banner, celebrations of unrighteous thought, and the destruction of all that is good and wholesome, it's not long before that culture is filled with a sense of hopelessness. And yet, in the midst of hopelessness, 
in the midst of rising costs, in the midst of an unstable economy and political upheaval in a polarized country and healthcare concerns and mental health crisis and even portions of Christianity being torn back to reveal that the people who are involved in Christianity may be, guess what, human. And many times they made terrible mistakes. And in spite of all that you see around you, I have good news today. And it is not that I saved money by switching to Geico. My good news is this. Romans 5.20 tells me that where sin abounds, the grace of God doth much more abound. And in the midst this morning of purveying hopelessness, I am here to declare that there is a reason to keep going. There is a rainbow in the storm, a light in the darkness, a bridge over troubled waters, a highway in the desert, a fountain in the dry place. Whatever you want to call it this morning, in the midst of all the hopelessness that we are surrounded by, there is hope. A few months ago, I was doing premarital counseling with a couple, and the bride-to-be was the daughter of my roommate from college. She was drinking from her dad's mug that said, Hope Dealers. And I said to her, I love your dad's mug. We were on Zoom, and I could see the mug. And I said, oh, I love your dad's mug. And she said to me, that's because that's what you are. You're a hope dealer. She didn't know that my wife's word for the year was hope. And she didn't know that as a family, we'd been walking through a pretty dark season. But in that moment when she declared that I was a hope dealer, whether I embody it every day or not, I decided that I wanted to be prepared always to give an account for the hope that lies within me. For the embodiment of hope is Jesus Christ who changed the direction of my life and he can change the direction of your life as well. The one who gives me hope today, the one who gives you hope when the circumstances are hopeless and everything around you seems negative, we serve a God today who can speak hope into the most hopeless of all situations. And so for the next three weeks, my challenge is to ask you to join me in the quest to become a hope dealer. The challenge to become a man or a woman who recognizes the circumstances may leak bleak, but there is a hope, a hope to be shared with the world around us that is in desperate need of it. Yes. And so that's the basis for my series this morning. In this first message of the series, I want to take you to Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. In this passage, Jesus is sharing parables, and as many of you know, one of the teaching methods of Jesus was that of sharing stories or parables that many times had deeper meanings. And for instance, he may share a story like the one I'm going to share with you today about farming. And all the farmers that were in the crowd or the people who may have even had a passing interest in farming or may have grew up on a farm, they could relate to the story and they could see the value in what was being said. But the Bible says many times for those who had an ear to hear or they had this Ability to look beyond the surface, as Paul Harvey used to say, they got the rest of the story. There was always an underlying spiritual principle, a greater understanding, a purpose behind the story that gave insight primarily into the kingdom of God. Many times he would begin his stories with that very wording. The kingdom of God is like, is how Jesus would start. And if you ever read your Bible and you see the kingdom of God is like, that's a context clue that you ought to pay attention to. Because what follows is not only going to be a great story, but if you're willing to listen, there will be more than just a story. There will be principles there that will guide your life and help you to understand what living in the kingdom of God should really be like. 
So if you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, open up your Bible apps on your phone or your devices or follow along on the screen, whatever works best for you. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 26, it says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Everybody say, he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest is come. Jesus said a man scatters seed on the ground. He goes about his business. He sleeps. He gets up. He goes on with his life. In faith, he believes that the seed will do what it is supposed to, though he does not know how. All by itself, on its own, the soil produces the grain. And today, for the first message in this series, I'd like to title it, Hope in the Dirt. Hope in the Dirt. Let's pray together, will we? Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is alive, and it is quick, and it is powerful, and it is able to do surgery on our hearts today, Lord, to make a difference in our lives, that when we leave here, We can find a sense of hopefulness in a world of hopelessness, that we can walk out of this place knowing we have a hope in you that can overcome any situation that can take us to heights in you we've never been before and be able to share that same hope with those around us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Now, before we get too dirty with this message today, uh, let's talk for a moment about the word hope. Hope is a really unique word and that the same word can be used both as a noun and a verb, something that is or an action that can be taken. Hope in its noun form, it means a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. Because of this, I have hope. It's something I can hang on to. It's also in a verb form, it means to want something to happen. And so, like right now, some of you are saying, I hope he doesn't preach long and maybe I can catch brunch. (laughs) Right? Hebrews 11 describes a very similar concept. We call it faith. Notice what faith is made up of in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We talk a lot about faith in the church. We talk about having faith, walking by faith, stepping out in faith, living by faith, giving by faith, praying by faith, being full of faith, mustard seed faith, great faith. We talk a lot about faith. But the writer of Hebrews tries to give us an explanation as to the makeup of faith. He says faith is the results or the substance, what is created from your hope. See, you can't have faith if you don't first have hope. Because the faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is created when I have hope in my life. It is the evidence, the Bible says, of things that are not seen. He goes on to say in verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So when you look this morning in a microscope or a telescope, either way, big or small, you visualize things that were created by something that you cannot see. That takes faith. Would you agree? 
God, by his very word, spoke the worlds into existence, and everything we know was created by his word so that things which we see all around us weren't made by things which are visible. Which got me thinking about this parable today. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man who goes into a field and he sows seed. He just plants the seed in the ground. Every day he gets up, he goes to bed. No matter what he does, once he has sown his seed, he acknowledges that there is a process, though he is not part of it. He acknowledges that there is something going on, but having done his part, he is no longer a player in the outcome. What great faith is required to be a farmer? In essence, to reap a harvest, you must take the product of a previous harvest, literally taking food out of your mouth, and you must sow it into the ground. You must then wait with expectation for what is to come. The Bible says in Mark 4 that the sower sows the seed, and he goes on with his life. Night and day, day and night, he rises, he sleeps, I'm sure he eats, he piddles with other projects, but he leaves the seeds to do the law of vegetation. The seed sprouts and it grows. The Bible says, but he does not know how. And I love that. I throw some seed in the hole. Now I have these sprouts, but I don't know how. Little Jack Hey, buddy, how you doing over there? It's got these magic beans. He throws them in a hole, and now he has a stalk that goes to the heavens. But he don't know how. For the farmer, planting seed is an act of hope. He's tossing the seed that could have been food in his family's mouth into the ground, and although he doesn't understand how, it's going to do anything. The Bible goes on to say in Mark 4, 28, all by itself, the soil produces the grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. The farmer has no control, no say in the end result. The Bible says all by itself, the soil produces the grain. The farmer does his part. He plants the seed. But once he's done his part, he has planted his dream. He has planted his hope in the dirt. And then he has to hope in the dirt. I heard one man say that we need to let the dirt do its work. You planted your dream. You planted your hope. The thing you wanted to come to pass, your future plans, you planted them in seed form. It was just a dream. It was just a small thing, a mustard seed faith declaration, and you gave it to God, and you planted your seed. But now your hope is in the dirt. Your hope is literally in what you've planted your seed in. What are you praying for right now? What are you hoping for right now? What are you believing God will come to pass? What dream did God give you that hasn't happened and you're wondering when and why and how's it going to come to pass? In what have you placed this morning your hope? Because right now it may be in seed form. And when it's in seed form, life has a way of making us think our hopes are just pipe dreams, up in smoke, never going to happen, never going to reap the harvest. Our loved ones will never be saved. Our body will never be healed. We will never be financially stable. I will never have that job I thought I'd get. We will always be in a place of lack. But in spite of the delay, in spite of the process time, in spite of what 
seems like a constant state of waiting, the farmer plants his seed. He expects a harvest, but he doesn't know how. Some of you today, you've been praying, you've been searching, you've been dreaming, you've been hoping, you've had faith, and you've expected to receive the harvest of that dream, the harvest of hope. You've been hanging on to that dream for a long time. Others have said, farmer, you need to stop looking for the seed to grow. Just quit waiting on that to produce. Stop bugging your kid about coming to church. Stop dreaming about starting your own business. Stop waiting on the investment of your emotions and your resources and your time to pay off. So ever since I was a kid, I watched that movie Karate Kid. And uh, since then, I have wanted a real bonsai tree like the one Mr. Miyagi was trimming on. The one he went up on the side of the mountain and harvested and brought back to his shop and began to shape into various shapes of beautiful bonsai trees. And I've always thought it'd be really cool to have one of those. I think that would be kind of a very relaxing thing to just kind of take a shape in your mind and begin to work on this tree. And my wife tried to get me one, but what she came home with did not look like Mr. Miyagi's at all. It had big, broad leaves on. It was not the bonsai tree I was looking for. I guess I found out there are a multiplicity of bonsai trees out there, but what she got me was pretty, but it wasn't that. So for Christmas this past year, my daughter, Abigail, she bought me a bonsai tree kit, and I was so excited. I thought, oh, a little box. It's got a little bonsai tree in it. It had four different types of bonsai trees in it, and I was so excited. I opened the box. And right on the top of the box was this cool pair of snips. I was really pumped. I was like, yeah, I got the snips. I can trim. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. I got what I want. And I dug a little deeper in the box. I was so excited. And inside was four packages of seeds. <laughs> and a wheel of compressed dirt and four miniature burlap sacks. So I pulled out the instructions. I'm not near as excited now and because the first line of the instruction says this, this will be an exercise in patience. I was like, this is like Mr. Miyagi all over again. Paint the fence, sand the floor, wax the car. So in hope, I planted the seeds, 32 seeds spread equally over four small bags of dirt. Two types never grew anything. They said I had to wait eight to 16 weeks. I did. One of them actually grew some mold on top of the dirt. (laughs) The other two finally, after almost two months of waiting, sprouted something. That was two months ago. It's barely thicker than a blade of grass, but it's a start. Something's happening in the dirt, but I don't know how. Some of you today, you have planted. You've done your part. You're hoping for something to come to pass, but you don't know how. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to know how as long as you know who. I don't have to know how as long as I know who. 
Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. If God told you it was going to come to pass, you plant in the dirt and you watch it grow until it comes to pass, even though you don't know how. Hold tightly to the hope that you profess. Why? Because I may not know how, but I know who. And he who promised is faithful. He can be trusted to keep his promise. The soil produces the results all by itself. I've put my hope in the process of Christ. My hope is in the dirt. So what's the dirt? Well, here's the dirty reality of life. God uses everything around us to bring us to a place of completion. And reliance on him and his plan for us is contingent on God using everything that happens in your life. We say in our growth track class all the time that God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes pain. The stuff that goes on in your life, God will use it to bring about his glory if you'll surrender it to him. If you'll plant it in the dirt, God will bring about hope in the midst of hopelessness. Joseph had the hope of a palace, but his promise led him first to a pit. Every promise sometimes is going to need a pit. Every promise sometimes will need a prison. Faith needs fertilization. Dreams need dirt. The things that you're hoping for, the things that you're dreaming of, just because they've been delayed does not mean they've been denied. Even when I can't see it, he's working. <laughs> Even when I can't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. There's process going on beneath the surface. The seed is changing. It is molding. It is manipulating itself to a place where it can burst forth. It's undergoing process in the dirt. I don't know how, but I know where the dream came from. I know the source of my hope. And because I know who, I don't have to know how. And that's hard for me because I always want to know how. <laughs> I always want to know how. Okay, God, I'm in a mess. I don't know how you're going to get me out. Let me help you here because I don't know how you're going to do it, but let me figure out my way to do it, right? It's hard. Because I always want to know. But if I can surrender my need to know how and re rely on my knowledge of who, then in the midst of the dirt, I can find hope. So what's the dirt? I want to give you an acronym this morning. What's the dirt? The dirt is D, disappointment. Some of us have been so frustrated and mired in disappointment, disappointed in people who don't live up to your expectations, disappointed in the church that somehow let you down. Disappointed in your family, disappointed in the results of your choices, disappointed because you thought you did everything right and it turned out different than you thought it would. Disappointed in where you are in life. You thought you'd be farther along. You thought the dream would look differently. Maybe you're even disappointed in God because he didn't answer you the way you thought he was going to answer and didn't do it in the timetable you thought he should do it. And he didn't come through like you thought he wouldn't. They say he's always on time, but my bills are late. Let's be real. Maybe some of you feel disappointed in God. What else is in the dirt? It's I, it's insecurities. Some of us are so busy playing the comparison game on Instagram, we can see everybody else's highlight reel and we compare it to our behind the scenes. And we get insecure. They look better than I do because they're using a filter. 
The dress is better than I have because they're using a filter. Their house is nicer than mine because they may have a big old mortgage payment that you don't have. They got better cars that they can't afford. They go on better vacations because they're putting it on credit. I mean, whatever it is, there's a reason, right? They're so blessed. Why aren't we blessed like them? They're more successful in their job. People respect them more than they respect me. People don't care what I have to say. False perceptions build false realities. And because of the falseness of those perceptions, we become insecure in who we are and what God is doing in our own life and the work that is being done in our dirt. Because how can you feel secure in something that's not real? And if you have a false perception, you can't feel secure. Our insecurities are in the dirt. What else is in the dirt? Our rejection is in the dirt. Man, when we're rejected by others, it hurts, doesn't it? I shared my dream with my boss, my hope with him, and he just dismissed it. He just rejected it. I was just turned down yet again. The bank said no. Employer said no. Date said no. Rejection hurts. It even feels worse when we feel like the dream is from God and there are roadblocks and obstacles that feel like we're being rejected at every turn. Rejection is in the dirt. What else is in the dirt? There's tea. There's trouble. I could have called tea trials in the dirt. I could have called tea tribulation in the dirt. But let's sum it up with trouble because trouble's in the dirt. Some of us are facing so many different things. Troubles at home, troubles on the job, troubles at school, trouble on the bus, trouble in our marriage, trouble with our kids, trouble at the doctors, trouble in the finances, trouble, 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 trouble. It's got a little button in the middle and you're popping and it keeps coming up with bad numbers. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. That was a game when I was a kid. All the little kids in the house are going, oh, did that, that's, that, that's that cool new game. And it's really a retro game for like 40 years ago. It's easy to lose hope when trouble surrounds us. It's easy to lose sight of God's promises when trouble is everywhere. But James 1 and 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Shut up, James. I don't need your never-ending optimism right now. My trouble is out of control. And I don't want to consider it an opportunity. I want to wallow in self-pity for a while. I want to feel hopeless, James. Why do you think I want to look for the opportunity? Now, y'all are looking at me like, has he lost his mind? He's talking about the Bible that way. But some of y'all are living that way. James says, hey, take a look at your trouble and see it as an opportunity. And you're going, James, you have lost your mind. Troubles can rob us of joy, destroy our hope. Well, Rodney, if that's true, that trouble could rob us of hope, why do you say there's hope in the dirt? If that's what's in the dirt, that doesn't feel like hope. If there's disappointment and insecurity and rejection and trouble in the dirt, that sure doesn't feel like hope. Remember, the farmer, he don't know how. I can't tell you the formula of how God will provide hope for you in the dirt. I only know this. He is whom I have believed in. The Jesus that I know, he specializes in taking those broken pieces, those disappointments, those insecurities, those rejections, those troubles, and he begins to use those things to fertilize my little seed of hope, my seed of faith, and suddenly it comes forth. First a leaf pushes through, and then the heads of wheat, and finally the grain ripens, and then it's time to harvest. I don't know how, but I know who. 
This is what Paul says in Romans 5, 3 through 5. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says trouble develops endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens my hope. And that hope won't lead to disappointment because we may not know how, but we know who, and who is living within us. His spirit resides in us, and I've got hope. We can find hope even in the dirt. Jesus did. The God of the universe took on human flesh, and then Jesus walked the earth for 33 and a half years. He faced disappointment. One time he stood and looked over the city of Jerusalem, and he wept and said, How often I would have gathered you to myself as a hen would gather her chicks, but you wouldn't do it. Disappointment. Another time he went home to preach in a synagogue, and his people turned on him and were ready to throw him off a cliff. And he realized that a prophet was without honor in his own home. He knew what the sting of disappointment was like. Jesus understood insecurity. Maybe not in the same way you think of it, but when he was in the garden, he wasn't secure in his mission, in his flesh. He didn't want to do what was being asked to him. As a matter of fact, he didn't even know that he was up to the task. He was like, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And what he was saying really was, let this go on to somebody else because I'm not sure I'm the one that can handle this job. Are you sure there's not another way we can work this out? Let this cup pass from me. I'm not sure I want to go through with this. He certainly understood rejection. He came to his own, and his own received him not. The prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow acquainted with the deepest of grief. The prophecy even says that we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't even care. He certainly understood what rejection feels like. And Lord knows he discovered all sorts of trouble. He had 12 disciples. One of them betrayed him. He had friends die. He had people question his motives. He was accused of even performing miracles by the power of the devil. Religious people accused him of hanging out with sinners. Political people thought he'd come take their throne. Even when, they tried to, even when he tried to take a nap, a storm came, and people was complaining, waking him up. Even his friends, those closest to him, questioned at times whether he even cared. He knew what trouble was like. And eventually that trouble surrounded him and caught up with him. And they had a makeshift trial with trumped up charges. And even without a defense, he went to Calvary, was crucified on a cruel cross. And they placed hope in the ground. They buried hope in the dirt. Even though they couldn't see it, he was working. He had said, if they plant me in the ground... Three days later, I'm coming back up. They ain't understand how. And for three days, their hope for their future, their hope for this kingdom of God, their hope and dreams, they lay dormant in the ground. But Jesus was working in the dirt. And on that Sunday morning when the women went to the graveyard, hope had sprouted. That seed was then buried and come up out of the ground. And what lay dormant on the surface for three days had now come up out of the ground. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he faced the dirt, I can face it too. 
And because he was the physical embodiment of everything I hope for, those things that I'm hoping for in faith are going to come to fast. Even if they're laying in the dirt right now, they will rise because guess what? He did. Because he came up out of the dirt, because the dirt produced the harvest it was intended to produce. I don't have to know how because I know in whom I've placed my hope. If the worship team would come. <laughs> this morning, even if I don't make it to the rapture and I go by way of the grave, when they plant this seed in the dirt, the Bible says if that same spirit that was in Christ that got him up out of the dirt is in me, in my mortal body, when he comes back, guess what? I'm coming up out of the dirt too. So even if I still have hope, even if I've got hope, even if it's in the dirt. Many times, if I'm being honest, the dreams we have, the God-given, God-inspired plans for an amazing future because they don't come to pass in the timetable that we prescribe, many times we lose hope. We figure, oh, it wasn't from God. It was bad pizza. It was misplaced hope. I was just being silly. It was just a schoolgirl dream. It was just a schoolboy idea. And then compiled with our timetable being messed up, we start to suffer through our disappointments, our insecurities, our rejections, our troubles, our dirt. It's enough to make anybody lose hope. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. You did have hope, but lately your hopes had a few extra letters added to it and you've been feeling hopeless. You planted your hope in Christ, but lately you've had your eyes on the dirt instead of on him. Nothing's growing. You're starting to feel a sense of giving up. Let me share with you the words of the Apostle Paul as I prepare to close today. If you'd stand all over this house with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. This is what the Apostle Paul says. This is why we never give up. I know you want to give up right now. I know it feels hopeless and I know you're tired of dreaming and I know you're tired of thinking it's going to come to pass and you're tired of scratching the surface of the dirt you're tired of heaping the mound of dirt around your seed you're trying you're tired of shoveling the dirt away you're tired of working the weeds you're tired of the dirt but this is why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long Man, the Apostle Paul lost his mind. My present trouble's not small. It is big. Big compared to what? Big compared to you? Or big compared to who? Because I don't know how, but I know who. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. I'm staring at the dirt because I planted my seed and I can't see it, but something is happening in the dirt. I'm fixing my gaze on things that I can't see 
because in hope and in faith, I believe that seed is going to grow. All I'm seeing is dirt, but I don't have to know how because I trusted in who. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone. (laughs) But the things we cannot see will last forever. See, right now all I see is dirt. But Paul says the things I see will soon be gone. And the things I cannot see, the things God is working, the plan he has for me, it is coming to pass. And though I cannot see it, he's going to bring it to pass and it will last forever. Jesus said before he left, he said, hey, I'm going to go away. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I can't see it, but I believe it. Hey, I've never seen heaven, but I believe it. I've never seen Jesus face to face, but I have felt the power of his work. And I know he is able to do exceeding abundantly of all we could ask or think. So that which I can see is not preventing me from believing in what I cannot see. And so today, I just got to change my perspective. I got to stop staring at the dirt and realize that what is in the dirt is working even when I don't see it. This morning, even in the dirt, you need to take hope. You need to not quit. Even in the dirt, he's working and what he is working on your behalf has a far exceeding greatness and it will far outweigh every trouble you face on this side. Are you going to face disappointment? Yep. Are you going to be insecure sometimes? Yep. Are you going to face rejection? You better believe it. Are you going to face trouble? Sure. But God will take them all and he will bind them up as dirt and he will begin to work in the midst of the dirt. And guess what? Something will begin to grow that will outweigh every bit of dirt you had to go through to get there. And so as they began to sing today, I want to open this altar today. If you've had a sense of hopelessness, if you've been feeling like, oh, I don't know where to turn next, this altar's open for you today. Because I want you to come, and with that little seed of hope, that little bit of belief, Paul, Jesus said it only had to be the size of a mustard seed. And I don't know about you, mustard seed is not the jar of mustard. Mustard seed is the smallest seed on the planet. And guess what? If you just have that much faith today or that much hope, you can plant it in Christ and watch him begin to work it to come to pass. And so even if you've been feeling hopeless today, even if you've been feeling like I don't have a hope in this world, this altar is open for you today. Whatever it is that God is trying to speak to you to bring about, we want to see God bring it to pass. Let's plant it in the dirt today. Can we do it?
house right now. Let's worship him very quickly. Father, I thank you. I honor you today. I bless your name, Jesus. I bless your name. What I'd like to do right now before we turn on, turn this over to Pastor Thompson, I just want to take a moment and I want us to pray together. Can we do that? If you'll just repeat after me very briefly, is that okay? Father, I thank you. I thank you for this day. I recognize, God, that hopelessness surrounds us. And yet, I've put my hope in you. Today, I surrender my seed, that seed of hope for the future, that promise that you gave me, that dream that you put in my heart. And I recognize that I may have disappointment, I may have insecurities, I may have rejection, and I might have trouble. But in spite of it, I know that you are working and you will bring it to pass. And I will harvest the dream, the hope that you put in me. Today, Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. I look to the things that I cannot see and I reap the harvest that you will prepare, even in the dirt. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. Let's thank him together all over this house. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we bless you and honor you, O God. Hallelujah, we give you praise, Lord. Come on, let's give him some praise. Come on, all over this house, God, you're worthy to be praised. We exalt you in this place, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Praise the name of Jesus. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, To be not weary in well-doing, because in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Amen. I think after hearing this, you could also say it's in dirt season, right? It, and the key is don't quit. Wait and let God unfold his work in your life. Amen. Thank you for that great word this morning, Pastor Rodney. Amen. That was so good. Before you go today, if you're a guest, we just want to encourage you and say thank you for being here. Good to have you. Let's welcome all of our guests that are here at Life Church this morning. We're so grateful to have you. And uh, we'd like to ask you, if you see that Connect card that's either in front of you or was in the gift bag that was given to you, we'd love for you to fill that out so we can contact you and stay in touch. And we'd love to get that information from you today. If you have time, you can drop it in one of the offering boxes or give it to someone as a part of the guest services team. I want to also mention uh, we got a couple of things that are coming up. Our fall life groups, believe it or not, they're only two weeks away. Sign-ups are only two weeks from now. Can you believe we're planning for fall? How many of you love the 70-some, 80-degree weather? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Loving it, loving it. Two weeks from now, though, but if you have an idea for a life group that you'd like to lead, please contact our church office. We'd love to hear your idea and talk to you about what it takes to lead a life group. But then in a couple weeks, you'll also have an opportunity to sign up for some groups. And we wanted you to mark your calendar, a couple of events that are coming up. There's going to be a ladies' pool party on September the 3rd and a men's rafting trip 
on September the 17th, right here in Richmond, by the way. You may not know this, but the city of Richmond, I don't know if this is still the case, but the city of Richmond is the only urban environment with two class four rapids in the downtown area, in the entire country. So I've been on this raft trip before. It's a lot of fun. Mark your calendars for those dates. And the last thing I want to say before we close, it's time for our final act of worship. And this is the opportunity that we have to recognize and to thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. Amen. Whether it's your tithe, your offering, whatever you choose to do, however you choose to give, there's three ways to give at Life Church. You can give in person here at the building at one of our offering boxes. You can give online at liferva.org, or you can text to give at the number that's on the screen. We just want to say thank you for being a cheerful and faithful giver. Amen. Why don't we pray together over not only our offering, but over our service over this week so we can just walk in the word that we've heard today. Amen. Father, we're grateful, grateful for your goodness, and we're grateful, God, for the hope that you give us. We know, God, that even when we can't see it, you are working on our behalf. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we trust in you, God, and not the voice of this world or, or, or the skepticism that tries to creep into our lives. God, thank you for your faith and your spirit and your strength, and we just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Amen. to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.